everyone, and welcome to the Actors Podcast, a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and to sharing the latest news relevant to the CDI profession and to Actus. My name is Rebecca Hindron, and I am the Director of Programming for Actus, and I am also your host for today's program, which is part of our Talking CDI series. In every episode of this series, I'm going to be joined by a special guest, such as a member of the Actors Advisory Board, or one of our expert bootcamp instructors, or even an expert on a particular area to discuss a topic that is pertinent to today's CDI profession. And today's expert who is joining me is Candice Blankenship, RN, BSN, CCDS, who is a CDI consultant. And Candice and I were talking before we started this program and she shared with me that she has been a member of Actors for 10 years. And she said that through her membership, she has grown from a novice to an almost competent expert. Those were her words, not mine. And she's done that through taking advantage of all the education that has been provided through conferences, white papers, online learning, and so on. And plus, she's been a member of various committees, especially the regulatory committee, who has worked so hard to raise the actus and CDI professional profile with various federal agencies. And she noted that our CDI voice is making a difference in good patient outcomes. So I always love to hear that. Um, but the other thing Candace noted with me is that her most proud achievement was winning the first actus Rookie of the Year Achievement Award at an actus conference a few years ago now. So it's a, a lovely bio that Candice has, and I'm so glad to welcome her to today's program. And we are going to be talking about social determinants of health. But before we begin, I do need to remind you that the Actus podcast now offers 0.5 Actus CEUs for the first two days after airing, which can be used towards your CCDS or CCDSO recertification requirements. I'm going to give you those instructions at the end of the show. So stay tuned for how to get your CEs. And before we get started, it is time for a brief interlude from today's sponsor. The 2024 edition of the Actus Pocket Guide is now available for pre-order. The Actus Pocket Guide is the essential resource for regulatory and coding guidance, IPS reimbursement updates, compliant query best practices and standards, clinical validation, and diagnostic definitions. It's co-written by Lori Prescott, Actus's Interim Director and CDI Education Director, and Dr. James Manns, a practicing physician at Mayo Clinic, steeped in the latest physician documentation terminology. The 2024 Actus Pocket Guide offers the latest information CDI professionals need to know, including fiscal year 2024 guidelines, 2023 coding clinic guidance, new provider tips, the latest updates related to social determinants of health, and a new condition, leukemia. Pre-order your 2024 version today so you can be sure to receive the CDI resource as soon as it's released in November. You can use the link in today's show notes to learn more. Thank you again for joining me, Candice. It's lovely to have you with me today. Oh, thank you, Rebecca. I'm just uh, thrilled to be on the podcast. I love the Actives podcast, and to be on it is just really great. Thank you. Well, I'm glad you were willing to take the time today. So we have a very important topic that we're focusing on today. And so I would love it if you could tell us a little bit about just why are SDOH codes so important in CDI? Well, you know, historically, um, you know, we use ICD-10, right? The 
International Classification of Diseases. And it's the 10th version. The 11th version is out and it's coming down the pike, but we haven't gotten it yet. So we use this classification to code the interaction or the care that's given to a patient when they're in the hospital. But what we all need to remember, and um, I think most of us know this, is that the ICD uh, system was developed not to allow me to bill to get paid for services, but it was developed in order to capture codes that explain the level or the problems within the public health. So it's really used to uh, follow patient population's health status. And that health status, even though um, in the United States we use it for billing purposes, in other nations, that health status includes these SDOH codes, right? The social determinants of health, the socioeconomic status and the stressors on the population that is being monitored. So for us, for CDI, while we are employed by health systems and, and, and insurance systems and the denials part, in order to get an accurate coding summary for financial reimbursement uh, for the CDI that was a bedside nurse that's worked in the community, lives in her community, his or her community, sees the impact of socioeconomic trends in their community and their impact on health status. We really would like to code these, these social determinants of health. But right now, the health system is geared more toward the codes that are financially driven. And so that represents, gives us a little bit of conflict, right? The CDI wants to code everything that shows um, the patient's health status and the and what's impacting the patient's health status. But the incentive, uh, again, is uh, for financial reimbursement. And of course, uh, that little problem that we talk about all the time in CDI, that they're only letting me send them 25 codes. And 25 codes often are not enough to describe, one, the financial reimbursement, two, the quality scoring, right? We've evolved from payment for services to payment for quality outcome. So I also need to capture Elixhauser and Visient variables that don't have a financial impact. They need to stay above line 25. If I have a PSI or a hack, I need to also be able to include codes that may uh, further define that PSI as hacked as excluded. And so by the time we get to that, uh, those 25 lines fill up really fast. And so there are no no room there for the social determinants of health. Absolutely. So we talk a little bit more about the impacts of SDOH on healthcare outcomes. Yeah. So I think a lot of, I hope a lot of viewers are going to really be blown away by this, but 10 to 20% of patient health outcome is driven by medical care. So contact with the hospital, the provider, other uh, medical uh, healthcare provider organizations. So 10 to 20% That's of- very low. That's a really it is. number. I'm surprised by that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so what I do when I'm coding for a hospital and send in that coding summary, so about 10, 10 to 20% of my patient outcome is going to be driven by my contact with the hospital or the provider. 80 to 90% of my health in, uh, health outcome is driven by my socioeconomic status. Wow. And these, this is represented by the social determinants of health. So it's really, really important 
that we start focusing on these codes and getting these codes into the federal government in order for us to develop programs, really, really viable healthcare programs in cities, counties, towns, villages, states. We need to get these programs in into our communities in order to improve health outcome. And in order to do that, we need to get these socio uh, social determinants of health codes into the coding summary and into CMS. So they need to be above line 25 and they need to have more importance. So what are the most common things that CDIs can do and should be looking for? Well, I think we're doing it. I think that Rebecca, we, we have been doing this for years now, right? Um, I was a member of Maryland Actus when I first became a CDI. And I remember the University of Maryland CDI team was starting a pilot program. And that was like uh, way back when uh, to work with their case management and social services people, um, all the ancillary staff, the bedside nursing staff about documenting the patient's socioeconomic circumstances so they could code it and get it into the coding summary, right? So we've been, CDI and coding have been working on this for years. The uh, problem is not on our side. We've been talking to physicians, public health has uh, developed numerous forms that are available to providers in the office and providers in the hospital systems in order to capture these circumstances so they can be coded. So we've actually been working really hard and again, for many years to get this up and running. The problem is the barrier that we have to getting these codes into CMS, which then disseminates it to all the other federal agencies. And that goes to how are SDOH codes submitted, right? Yes. How are they submitted? Yeah, so we go and uh, put uh, build this really robust uh, final coding summary. Uh, a lot of us who've been in CDI for a while remember that when we were just looking at financial impact, these coding summaries were relatively short. They really didn't exceed 25 codes that often. But as, as our practice has evolved, as uh, we become more integral to the hospital system in measuring patient outcomes and quality outcomes, we now look for codes that, you know, like we had said at the beginning, the codes that impact how we're scored uh, on quality by both CMS and the Five Star System and also U.S. News and World Report and Leapfrog, right? These are big consumer websites that determine whether or not you're going to come to my hospital and it's based on quality income. So we fill those 25 lines up with financial impact and then these um, codes for uh, quality outcome. The UBO4 and Medicare will only accept 25 codes. That's the rule. Anything longer than 25 codes, which now that's pretty much the average coding summary, is uh, especially for a Medicare patient with chronic comorbidities and, and quality issues, these coding summaries are often more than 25 codes. And so you're going to have codes that are going to drop below. And based on just hierarchy, STOH codes go right to the bottom. So they don't achieve status. They don't get pushed into the top 25. And so CMS never sees them. 
So for the UBO4 bill, when you, uh, for the IPPS rule uh, for 2024, when uh, Medicare said, listen, we think these SDOH codes are super important and we agree with you. And this year, uh, we're going to make the three codes, the three SDOH codes that describe homelessness, right? So homelessness, uh, sheltered homelessness, and unsheltered homelessness. They're going to they're going to be the codes and they're going to be assigned to CC. So now we have three SDH codes that have financial impact. So Medicare readily admits that the incentive for financial impact drives how we code, right? So they've made these three SDOH codes, which are their pilot SDOH codes. Um, they've incentivized us to get them in the top 25 by making them a CC. So, there's a good chance that we're going to see homelessness, these homelessness codes get forced up into the top 25 because now they're a CC, which is great. Yay. There are 78 other SDOH codes that don't have any financial impact. And so therefore will not make it above line 25. And for a shout out for the CDIs that do pediatric CDI, these are SDOH codes that describe a family who cares for an autistic child and their needs, right, in the community. How can we help them? Uh, these are codes that would support, and it's the everybody's burr in the saddle is that, you know, I have a nutritionist come in, they see the elderly patient, they tell me they're severe malnourished, I code it, I have evidence, but the OIG says, no, we're seeing just, that we're the United States of America. There's no way we have this many malnourished seniors. And yet seniors on SDOH codes continuously report food insecurity. They're on a limited income. Uh, food prices have gone up. The ability to get to the grocery store to get their groceries. Can they cook safely? These are all issues that would be described by SDOH that would further support us coding malnutrition us reporting malnutrition and telling CMS, we've got a problem in the elderly, they're malnourished. So in order to get this done, our barrier is the UBO4, which is the billing form that every hospital uses to submit claims to CMS. And the ability to submit only 25 claims is limited by UBO4. They're the ones that are blocking our ability to send in more. There are many spaces on a UBO4 bill that are not being used that could be utilized for us to add our SDOH codes into that space, the ones that don't have financial impact, and therefore all that data is going to Medicare. So our barrier is the National Uniform Billing Committee not expanding the UBO4 codes in order to allow us to send in SDOH codes to CMS. And that is clearly defined in the IPPS 2024. Medicare specifically says because people commented on the SDOH codes and you can tell that the CDI encoders were sending in the comments because they said we can only send 25 codes and I can't get SDOH into the top 25 codes. What am I supposed to do? And CMS said, we thank the commenters for their feedback. We note that any proposed changes to the institutional claim form would need to be submitted to the National Uniform Billing Committee 
for consideration as the NUBC develops and maintains the uniform billing UBO4 data set and form. So we're sorry that you can't send me more than 25 codes, but that's not our problem. You need to talk to the National Uniform Billing Committee. Oh, well, that's interesting. So, so what do you think we can do about that? Oh, I think we can, we can, we can do it. I, I, I think that everybody who's listening to the podcast right now, tell your friends in CDI, tell your friends in coding, get on their website, go to the National Uniform Billing Committee website, click on About Us, click on Contact Us, and then get their email address and send them a strongly worded email, as my friend Valerie likes to say, a strongly worded email to say that their inability to increase the amount of data that we send to CMS is having an impact on the public's health. Social determinants of health codes must be included on the MBO4 bill in order for CMS to determine the nation's health. That's great. And we can put that link in the show notes. So if you want to reach out, uh, go to the podcast page and we will put that link directly in the show notes so that you can go find it really easily. Thank you so much, Rebecca. That would be fantastic because um, we tried to do this uh, about a year and a half ago and we were able to get on their agenda, the NUBC agenda, when uh, Medicare and the previous IPPS rules had said they would really like to start collecting social determinants of health uh, codes for monitoring, data monitoring. And we had gotten on their agenda uh, through an email campaign, but um, the National Uniform Billing Committee had convinced uh, Medicare that they were not able to um, accommodate their request at that time. And I think applying pressure to them is the only way we're going to be able to get them to expand the code sets that we can submit to CMS. Right. What else can CDIs be doing, particularly in their own organizations related to SDOH codes? Well, I'm glad you asked that because there was a story I was listening to on NPR the other day and it was set in Lafayette, Mississippi. Now, right now we don't have a, a, an ACTUS chapter in Mississippi but maybe if somebody is listening in Mississippi, maybe you could get something started in your state. Now, the story talked about a small town called Lafayette in Mississippi. It lost their hospital. It closed in 1988. They only have two doctors in the town and they're about to retire. So um, it's a very poor community. The medium income is uh, lower than the state's medium income, which is pretty low because we, we all know Mississippi is probably one of the poorest states in the United States. So um, the nearest ER there is 20 minutes away. The nearest urgent care center is 20 minutes away. Uh, the fire station was doing triage. Uh, there's a fire chief Doty there who I just think should get a hero award. And he had set up a triage station in the fire uh, oh, station wow. in order incredible. to see, yeah, people could come by if they were diabetic, they'd check their sugar, they'd help them talk to them about it. Um, if they were wanted to get their blood pressure checked, if they had minor injuries, if they, they could get them fixed there, if they had major injuries, they sent them on to the ER. But there was only so much that he and his team could do. And so this, the town of Lafayette got a telehealth kiosk and they set the telehealth kiosk up in the town. And people can go to that kiosk and have a free medical visit 
and get prescriptions or care plans from the provider on the telehealth kiosk. So that has helped tremendously the city of Lafayette, the little town of Lafayette. And I was thinking that if if we can't get UB, uh, if we can't get the National uh, Uniform Billing Committee to open up that UBO4 bill to include SDOHs so we can get that information to the federal government, maybe some of the state ACTUS chapters this, uh, could start working with their health systems and build a consortium because we can get those SDOH uh, codes into our final coding summary there at the hospital. Even though we can't submit them, we can only submit 25, we'd still have them there. And we could pull that data and give it to local governments, uh, county governments, or the state government representatives in order to advocate for how to use public health money best within the state, all right? We're about to see these huge settlements coming in from the uh, methamphetamine, right? The MS Cotton, the Sacklers, uh, everybody's settling. Walmart settled. I think uh, Walgreens is settling. So everybody's settling. And these huge amounts of money will be dispersed to the states to use for public health initiatives. And if we could get our state chapters to contact their state representatives or their local governments to talk about, you know, what needs to be done in the communities based on the data that we collect on our patient's socioeconomic status, that would be so amazing. And that might be the only way we get this done. It might turn out that we are meant to to be the people that get this done for social determinants of health in the United States, where we uh, don't have a financial interest in it. We care about our community. We may be that fulcrum, right? That gets this done. We just need the imagination, right? The imagination to do it. So if you are a state ACTUS chapter leader, I would love it if you guys could talk about maybe having a, a legislation night where you host some of the local legislatures and talk to them about this. Uh, because remember, we submit these codes to the federal government, but maybe we could be submitting these codes to the state government and getting more, uh, more uh, granular assessment of where public health monies for the state need to go based on these social determinants of health. Because again, we know that socioeconomic factors drive patient outcome more than encounters with healthcare providers. And we're really good at taking care of people. So maybe we could do this. Well, that is absolutely fascinating. Thank you, Candice. I really appreciate your vision and leadership on this topic. I think it's an important debate and one that we can continue this conversation. So I look forward to how we'll do that with all of Actus's resources, including our amazing chapters and networking groups. So fantastic ideas there. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll have you back uh, at another point and we'll get further more details about these SDOH codes, which are so important for all of us. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for having me on. And thank you for taking an interest in this. I really appreciate you getting this information out to our 
uh, ACTUS uh, members. It's just really important. Thank you so much, Candice. That was a very interesting conversation. And as always, if our audience has any questions about this topic, you can feel free to email the ACTUS team at info at We'll also put that email in today's show notes, which are available on the show page at actus.org and in your podcast app, so you can grab it from there. And the show notes will also contain the link that Candice was just talking about, so you can make your voice heard. And the show notes will also include the links for the various updates that I'm about to tell you about. So now it is time for us to move on to the completely different part of the show and talk about what's going on in your professional association. I hope you all enjoyed the page-turning fun we had with CDI Week last week. It was great to see how everyone was celebrating. And I have to give enormous congratulations to the many wonderful book title puns that you all came up with. It was absolutely fantastic. My favorite was the lunch celebration where the food had creative names, including Moby Dip. I laughed way too hard at that one. So well done, everybody. And even though CDI Week may be over, the resources are still available. You can check out any of the informative Q&As or listen to the webinar anytime you want. And the seminal State of the Industry CDI Week Industry Survey will be providing us with useful benchmarking data for the next 12 months. So just because CDI Week is over, don't don't, uh, ignore those resources. They are available to you year round. And CDI Week did bring the opening of the Actus Scholarships. It is scholarship season time. So now's the time to get your applications in. There are four different types of scholarships you can apply for. Introduction to CDI Scholarship, Professional Development Scholarship, the Outpatient CDI Scholarship, and the Melissa Varnavis Scholarship, which provides a registration to the Actus National Conference. You can find all the information about eligibility and how to apply on the actus.org website, and the link for more information will be in the show notes. We just talked about one seminal industry survey with the CDI Week survey, uh, but it also means that now we're at that point of the year where it's time for the second big survey of the year, and that is the ever popular annual salary survey. So keep an eye on this week's edition of CDI Strategies, which will be emailed out on Thursday, for the link to take that survey. This is going to be open for one month, so spread the news far and wide, please. This is enormously important. Please take the time to complete this, as the more respondents we have, the more useful the data will be. And Actis members can use this data in a multitude of ways, including working on their own professional development. It also provides a way to evaluate salary rates, as the data can be easily passed so that you can compare those with similar job titles to you, or those with similar years of experience, certifications, or educational background, or those who live and work in similar geographical regions to you. So it's all incredibly useful stuff. So take that survey and make sure we get enormously useful data that we can all benefit from. And then my final reminder for today's episode about what's going on at Actors is that we're currently accepting submissions for publication in the November-December edition of the CDI Journal. The deadline for those submissions is October 1st. The topic for that edition is CDI and quality, so we'd love to hear about your experiences. So now's the time, put pen to paper um, and, and get published. 
And if you need any help deciding what to write about, or you want to know more about the editorial process, or you just have any questions at all, send us an email at info at and we would be happy to answer any questions. And we always just love to hear from you. On that topic, any questions about anything related to publication, what's going on at Actus, certification, or just general CDI questions, reach out to us at info at And we will, of course, put that email address in the show notes, as well as the links for all the things that I was talking about. And finally, that brings us to the end of our program. But don't forget, each Actus podcast episode now offers 0.5 Actus CEUs, which you can use towards recertifying your CCDS or CCDSO credential for those who listen to the show in the first two days from the time of publication. So to receive your 0.5 CEUs, go to the show page on actus.org by clicking on the Actus podcast link under the resources tab, and then clicking on today's episode from the list on that page. Follow the instructions in the show notes for today's episode, and then your certificate will be automatically emailed to you upon completion of the brief evaluation. The cutoff for today's episode is Friday, September the 29th at 11 p.m. Eastern. After that point, the CEU period is going to close and you won't be eligible for the CEUs for this week's episode. But don't despair because we have a brand new episode every other week, Wednesdays at 11.30 Eastern time. Every other week, we have brand new episodes. And if you happen to listen to every episode in the year and claim all the CEUs, you can earn up to 13 free CEUs for the year just by listening to the Fun and Educational Actors podcast. So with that, we have reached the end of today's episode. We will be back in two weeks on Wednesday, October 11th for our next show, which is part of the Conversations with Carla series with our editor and product coordinator, Carla Kozak, who will be delving into the perennial popular topic of provider education. If you would like to receive reminders about each episode so that you never miss your CEUs, just make sure you're subscribed to our free weekly e-newsletter, CDI Strategies, which always includes a link to the new episode when it's available. You can listen to our show anytime on the Actors website or via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. All the links we discussed during today's episode will be available in the show notes. And as always, we'd really appreciate it if you'd take a minute to leave us a five-star review on your podcast app to help others find our show. Our intro and outro music is Media Noche by D. Yan Key, and our ad music is Take Me Higher by Jazzar, both obtained from the Free Music Archive. If you have suggestions for future guests or topics, please email us at info at Until next time, take care, everyone. Goodbye.